Hello, my name is Yemi. And my name is Ijoma. And together we host Africa in My Kitchen, a podcast that is produced by Tunuka Media. This fun podcast explores meals from each country in Africa. We talk about the country, discuss the meal itself, and draw from our experiences to share why we are, or are not, excited about the meal. A new episode airs every two weeks. So join us for the hits, the misses, the laughs, and the cringes as we eat our way across the continent. Come back often, share with your friends, and add the podcast to your regular podcast rotation wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, it's time for this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Africa in My Kitchen. This is Ijoma. And it's Yemi. And we are very excited because for the first time in a long time, we are... Hanging out and recording together. Yay! Yay! (laughs) I haven't seen you in so long, Ijoma. It's like touching another human. (laughs) It has been a while. So because in our province, certain restrictions have been lifted, we are allowed to being groups of, I think it's 15 or 50? You can, in where we live in Edmonton, and now we can be in groups of up to 50. So I think between the two of us, we are well under that threshold. Yes. And we've been hiding for a while, so we're okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. So the next dish we're going to be discussing today comes from the beautiful country of Cameroon, and it is called Bornhouse Planty. So the Republic of Cameroon is a West African country, about 25 million people. It shares its borders with our home country, Nigeria, to the west and north, Chad to the northeast, Central African Republic to the east, and Gabon, Republic of Congo, and Equatorial Guinea to the south. So I was looking into how the country came to be called Cameroon. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. It came about because some Portuguese explorers came across a river in Cameroon today, and it's called the Wuri River. And they found some prawns, a lot of prawns, or what some people have called mud lobsters. And they decided they were going to call the country Rio do Camarões. I hope I'm saying that correctly, because that is Portuguese for river of prawns. The country became a German protectorate in the 19th century and was Christian Cameroon with a K. After World War I ended, the Treaty of Versailles, or Versailles, Versailles, Versailles? Yes, it's okay. Versailles. Oh, Lord. <laughs> So after World War I ended and the Treaty of Versailles placed the country in the hands of Britain and France, the name ultimately became Cameroon with a C and two O's as we know it today. The country has 10 regions, two are primarily English-speaking, and the other eight are primarily French. So because of that, Cameroon has two official languages, English and French. But at least 250 languages are spoken in Cameroon. So one of the things I really liked about us looking into Cameroon was just the abundance of interesting dishes they had. Maybe Mm -hmm. we're a little bit biased because there were a lot of dishes that we were familiar with already. So I saw a lot of plantain. Guys, we call it plantain. I know if you're from the Caribbean, you may call it plantain. Plantain. We call it plantain. Let's, we, it's plantain. So they have a lot of dishes that I found pretty interesting. So when I look when we looked into the national dish of Cameroon, it seems to be something called ndole, which is a spinach stew. They have a fufu, which is well known across West Africa. 
they have a palm nut suit called Mbanga, which reminded me of Banga soup. Exactly. Yeah, yes. exactly. It sounds exactly the same, but it just has MB before the B. And mm-hmm. I know the Banga soup, I think, is eaten very commonly in the south, south of Nigeria, mm-hmm. so River State. They have um, something called Kati Kati, which is like a spicy chicken dish. I saw chicken a lot here. Mm-hmm. And they had a dish that I absolutely have to try at a different date. It's called Chicken Chicken Director General, so Pule Diji. Mm-hmm. And apparently this comes about because they called it that because a lot of CEOs and businessmen and diplomats were eating this dish a lot in the beginning before I say trickled down to the masses. Moving on. Moving on. Um, we decided to go with Pornhouse Plenty just because there was a very interesting story behind it. Mm-hmm. When a child is born, the women in the community come together to welcome the new baby and the mother. So almost like a baby shower. I'm not sure how soon after the birth it happens, but basically you have these women come in, they have food, they sing songs, and they celebrate with the mother. And this particular dish called Bornhouse Planty is cooked at the ceremony. Ijama and I debated quite a bit because from our sources, the umbilical cord is buried under the plantain tree and then they cook the Bornhouse Planty. So... Now, is it under a new plantain tree when mm-hmm. they just um, plant it and then they wait till the tree grows before they, you know, make the food? Or is it an existing tree where the umbilical cord is buried under the plantain tree and then symbolically cook it and now use it in the meal? So that is where we had some debate. Again, as with a lot of stuff we found in this process, it's really hard to find things on Google. Mm-hmm. So we need the community to just step up for us a Help little bit. Out. But we did have the debate on timing between when the umbilical cord is actually buried versus when uh, the meal is cooked and the, and the plantain is actually harvested to make the meal. Yes. And I do want to make an important point. I got this information from a blogger called Precious Core, and she's very clear that this is alleged. So this is kind of like a, maybe a superstition or a belief from old that what happens is when after the baby is born, you cut the umbilical cord, you bury the cord under this plantain seedling, it grows from a tree, you harvest it, and then you cook the mm-hmm. plantain with it. Mm-hmm. But we're not sure if people still do that, and we're not sure really if how often it was done in the past. Anyway, so the main dish for today is called Bornhouse Planty. The main ingredients for this, the stars of the dish rather, are plantain and bitter leaf. Mm-hmm. But you have the other ingredients that come with it. So you have your protein, which could be your beef. You have onions, crayfish, palm oil, some bouillon cubes for seasoning, fresh ginger and fresh garlic. So the ginger is grated and the garlic is chopped. And for those who may not be familiar with palm oil, also check out our episode on Ragut Degnam. Under Burkina Faso. Under Burkina Faso. Check out Burkina Faso Studium. We had an extensive discussion about uh, red palm oil or what we call red oil. So we would not bore you with having that discussion again. Yes. A fun fact for you is that palm oil is found in your chocolate sometimes too. Mm. Yeah. So bitter leaf. Mm-hmm. It's not a very creative name. We call it bitter leaf because the leaves are bitter. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's bitter leaf because, you know, the it leaves... Is, it is are, very bitter. They're yeah. exceedingly and abundantly bitter. Very bitter. It's, oh, God. And you might wonder why, how you can eat that. But you have to wash... That's I think we call it washing, but you're not washing it with soap and water. You're basically mechanically rubbing the leaves together and on rinsing, water. And rinsing yeah. continuously to get 
much of the bitterness out of it to an acceptable level. That being said, I've heard a lot of good things about bitter leaf water. They say there are a lot of health benefits around it. I don't drink it myself because it's way too bitter. And I'm also really lazy because I remember the first time as a child when I saw the process of cooking it into a soup in Nigeria because we eat it in Southeast Nigeria as a soup. Mm-hmm. It was so stressful. Mm-hmm. Like you would use, they would first of all use very little water and mechanically rub it to get a lot of the foam. You can see this green foam coming out of it. And then mm-hmm. they would then add the water and keep rinsing. I don't do that. Yeah, it's almost like an iterative process exactly. until it's gone. I just boil it yeah. to get the bitterness out. Oh, yeah. I don't have the patience. So those are the main ingredients for this. The cooking process starts with you steaming your meats mm-hmm. with some seasoning. While your meats have been cooked, or after your meats have been cooked, then you add your your onions, your garlic, your ginger, your palm oil, and your crayfish. So it's kind of adding some depth of flavor to the broth. And then after you're done with that, you add your... Plantain. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the main dish. <laughs> so you even this, you add your bitter leaf to cook, and then you add your chopped up plantain, and your plantain basically cooks from raw inside the broth. Yeah. Okay. So it's like you're you're not using boiled plantain; it's going to cook in the broth, and the flavors are supposed to be absorbed into the unripe plantain. Okay. So the dish itself, I found it very interesting i was kind of torn here because bitter leaf if someone says bitter leaf to me i get excited it's a bitter leaf a bitter dish but when you wash it out properly and make it into a soup we call it ofe onubu where i'm from ofe onubu actually where i'm from and it's delicious it is my second favorite soup in the whole world so for me i felt like i was eating bitter leaf and plantain but not together in a way, yes. Maybe because I'm biased. I feel like if somebody else had maybe not had bitter leaf before, mm-hmm. bitter leaf soup before, they would be eating it together. But because I'm partial to it, I could taste the soup. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm biased. So the plantain was just something that happened to be in the dish. And like for me, I think I would have a slightly different outlook because I don't necessarily love bitter leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, I've Usually if I've had bitter leaf in my food, food i like to add other vegetables as much as possible just to dampen it as hmm. far down as i can but here's the thing with bitter leaf though if you wash it out to a certain level there is an almost sweet aftertaste in your throat that comes so you can't taste the bitterness really but there's at least the way i've had it mm-hmm. growing up as a child you it's almost like an accent to the flavor i don't know how to explain it it's not like a mouthful of bitterness yeah no for those who can't see i'm kind of turning my head left and right because I've had, I think maybe I've had different versions of it where, um, at least in some soups that I've tried, they do like some of the bitterness in there. So mm-hmm. they, it's it's part of the flavor. Mm-hmm. And I don't dislike bitter leaf soup. I just, I'm not going to go out of my way to f- seek it out. Okay. Right? And however, I love plantain. Oh my Lord. Do you like unripe plantain? Mm, I won't say I love it. But I like my plantain when it's ripe to the point of almost rotting. Yeah, so this is Oof. not, you will make it this way. Oh, Lord. I don't think you, you, I Especially don't when you now use the plantain to make like puff puff, like overripe plantain. Like mosa. I don't know what you call it, but overripe plantain. Now oh. use it to make like buns or donuts for y'all. Mm-hmm. It's, ooh. For some this context, is... plantain looks like a very big banana, but mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. And it's not, please don't eat it raw. No, please. We'll no. save that for another episode when we talk about people who ate plantain raw. I have real life stories. Okay, that. yeah, don't do that. Yeah. But anyway, 
I think I've eaten on rye plantain in some dish. I'm trying to remember what the dish was, but I didn't dislike it because what I found is that with on rye plantain, it absorbs the flavor of whatever you put into it. Exactly. So that sweetness that you get from overripe plantain, you don't quite get it because mm-hmm. the unripe plantain kind of acts like a tofu mm-hmm. and absorbs the flavor or everything around it. Exactly. So it just makes it part of the meal. I guess so. Yeah. Because I think if you had it with a bright plantain, the sweetness of a ripe plantain will overwhelm. Will overwhelm. Yeah, I, I don't like oof. sweet vegetables like in that context. So yes, I, I, I liked the dish enough. I think the fact that it had bitter leaf got me a little excited. Mm-hmm. And... It, it was nice, and I really liked the story behind it. I like seeing that food has stories. Yeah. And I liked the idea of the superstition behind it. Do you have any food superstitions that you grew up learning? Uh, let me see. I'm trying to think. My parents were not naturally the superstitious type, mm-hmm. you know. It was pretty much the only thing is make sure you don't eat at night for familiar spirits or something like that. But that sounds like a superstition. Is it? Uh, don't eat at night or don't eat in your dreams. Oh, yeah, don't eat in your dreams. Yes, I had that one. That was the only real we were t- superstition. But yeah. We were told um, not to eat. You can't really control if you eat in your dream. That's the thing. Yes, so, you can. Wow. You can control your... So why of do you course. have dreams? Why don't you just dream I'm that a lucid you... dreamer. Are you? I am. I'm oh, actually a lucid dreamer. I just used to go to bed and pray that I didn't eat any food in my sleep. Because no. I was afraid. I've been a lucid dreamer. And I never realized this, but folks can confirm. But I did read... A report saying that people that actively play video games mm-hmm. are actually able because you're used to thinking in that alternate reality. Oh, I see. Your, so your brain is almost wired that you can control your dreams. Interesting. Yeah. Mine was um, like one of the a lady who lived with us when I was growing up and helped to raise us. She told me that if you ate too much stew, and stew for us is a tomato based sauce, if you ate too much stew with your rice, you would get malaria. Yes. The malaria one, I think she was just being petty because I mm-hmm. like to eat a lot of stew and I was always eating all the stew in the house. So I would go and ask for much. Like, you're going to get malaria. Yes. Um. Oh, I have one. I do have one. Yeah. If you eat a chicken head, you'll have the brain of a chicken. I heard if you eat a... If you eat a Goat head too. Oh, really? I was... If you swallowed an orange seed, an orange would grow out of your head. Yes. So even though as a, as a fully formed adult, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that it's all crap. So because of that, I can say for sure in over 20 years, I have never eaten the head of a chicken. That's not the only reason why you should eat, not eat the head of a chicken. I heard the crown is... Okay, let's not get into that. But uh, <laughs> I've never had um, a chicken and I don't want to. I mean, like for mem- if memory serves, it's actually not that bad. But I'm um, good. I'm good. Yeah, so what I was told as a child, that like if you eat the head of a chicken... Um, your brain is going to be as tiny, it's going to shrink and you're going to have the same brain equivalent to that of, <laughs> to that of a chicken. So, um, yeah, 20 years and then some, and I have not eaten a chicken head. Well, good for you. Or a goat head too. Oh, no. just clicked. Isiewu? Nope. nope. I ate it once. I ate Isiewu once. So Isiewu is like goat head goat soup. soup too. Yeah. I ate it once because I had heard the name Isiewu, but I didn't know it was goat head. Oh. When I now ate it and I found out it was good tailed, I have never eaten it since. And, and you, I and I know the superstition is doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, because the next day you woke up and you didn't have the head of a goat for one. No, it means your brain, like your memory. So it's not actually that your head will turn into oh, the head of a goat. Forgetful, you become like you be- a stubborn goat that forgets things. You essentially your brain functions like goat's brain functions. Yeah, and okay. if a brain, goat is stupid, you're going to turn stupid. Um, yes. Anyway. <laughs> So yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, um, 
I don't have anything negative to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the fact that unripe plantain really does absorb the flavor of whatever is around it. Kind of like tofu. So you can imagine it like tofu. You can get plantain in any of your local stores usually, especially if you're in a state or an area that is diverse to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, I'm sure there are local ethnic stores, as we, as people like to call them, where you can find yeah. these ingredients. And Caribbean stores will also have Caribbean stores, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And the palm oil. And the palm oil, that's yeah. true. They might have, depending on which one you go, they might also have the bitter leaf at the crayfish, I think. Yeah. And I do think, even though Cameroonians are probably going to come for me, please don't. If you can't find the bitter leaf, maybe go for a tougher mm-hmm. leaf. If you don't have something that's tougher, like bitter leaf, I go with kale. Yeah, because you may not always be able to find bitter leaf, or if you ask, they may not know what you're talking about. Yeah. I but, think I think yeah. Cameroonians call it ndole, N-D-O-L-E. Okay, That's so ndole, bitter leaf, or you can swipe it out for kale if that's what you have, but be careful not to overcook it so mm-hmm. that it doesn't um, fall apart. And this brings us to the end of our podcast. Like, what so this brings us to the end of another episode. We want to thank you again for tuning in. Yep. Thank you so much for giving us, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of your time every two weeks. We really do appreciate your listenership. And if you wanted to see pictures, you can go on Instagram. Under either Tunuka Media, that's T-U-N-U-K-A Media, or 234 Pantry, where Ijama posts pictures as well. On this note, bye! (laughs) We're so awkward, it's ridiculous. Thank you for listening, friends. As a reminder, the podcast is released every two weeks. Follow Tunuka Media on social media, including Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with us and be on the forefront of upcoming shows and program schedules. Links are in the show notes. Africa in My Kitchen is produced by Tunuka Media and co-hosted with 234 Pantry. So while on Instagram, follow my page, 234 Pantry, for more food-related content and fun facts about dishes and ingredients. Tunuka Media also produces another show called Overlooked, which I host, with more shows on the way. Like and subscribe, and if you learn something new, support the show by giving Africa in My Kitchen a high rating wherever you listen. This helps the show grow and gets more people, just like you, to learn also. So until next time, bye! bye.